I've gathered you together in the parlor to go over the set review for Murders at Karlov's Manor. Next on Eternal Dirtles. Shout out to all of our Patreon supporters out there. Thank you to the Dirtle Maniacs. If you want to be a Dirtle Maniac, go to patreon.com slash eternaldirtles and help support the channel. It keeps things going. It keeps things updated. Thanks so much for watching. On with the show. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? Zach, it was me in the top deck in the finals. What? Go again? Oh, wow. My joke doesn't work. <laughs> it was me with a weapon in a place, Zach. <laughs> oh, yeah. And your weapon was the top deck? My weapon was the top deck in a place, the place that I was never, the nobody would ever believe that I'm in. <laughs> that is a real twist. What a plot twist that would be. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you ready to talk about some murders? Butler did it. Murders of Karlov, bro? I actually think this set looks sweet. Yeah. The the set is is fun. Uh, at the very least, it has a lot of interesting and like sort of fun mechanics. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, there's some cards we're definitely going to talk about. But um, yeah, let's let's talk about. Uh, I mean, we just we're just going to go down the mythic spoiler like we like we do. And uh, you know, I'm going to turn myself down just a little bit because I feel like I'm a little high. How do I sound now? You sound good to me. I'm not too high. No. Okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, we're just going to go down the top of Mythic Spoiler here and uh, and talk about the cards that we think are interesting and may or may or may not see play in uh, in Legacy. Uh, you know, we're, so just so you know, uh, we're starting, uh, we're, we're going over the full spoiler uh, for the set. Uh, so if you click at the top, Murders at Carlos Manor, you'll be able to follow along with us. Uh, and, of course, there will be, you know, there'll be uh, cards in between us, too. You'll be able to see them. Uh, so we're going to start off with Delaney Streetwise Lookout. Uh, that is a 2-2 legendary creature human scout for two and a white. And it says creatures you control with power two or less cannot be blocked by creatures with power three or greater. And if the ability of a creature you control with power two or less triggers, that ability triggers an additional time. Phil, do you know where I see in this card? Uh, nowhere on the EDH tables. Um, I think it'll definitely be on the EDH tables. I think this will be a interesting include into uh, like the initiative decks. Why is that? Because it would take the initiative twice. Like if you played an initiative creature, uh, your initiative creature would have to have power two or less, correct, of which none correct. do. The doesn't uh the what's the guy, the cavern guy, caves of not chaos, chaos not chaos adventure. Uh, the. The the one that gets protection from creatures. Isn't that a 2-2? Two, two? No, it's a 3-4. It's a 3-4. Well, four mana 3-4. Okay. Well, They're busted. I, I say all that to say this. Uh, there are other creatures that, that this can be used with in Death and Taxes. Uh, specifically, uh, the Recruiter of the Guard. Um, mm -hmm. So, I, I think I think still this, this card has some, has some legs there. Um, just being able to double up your creature triggers in a deck that has that has like sort of a you know a core weenie strategy, um, I think I think this has options for legs. I don't think it's like an auto include into any any of these decks, especially now that I realize that creature is a three four. But there are other creatures that you wouldn't mind getting getting double triggers on if you're playing a creature heavy strategy, and the unblockable is extra text. That's great. 
Aside from somebody making something entirely new with this as an addition, like in Esper Vile or some, you know, reboot of an old deck. Yeah, I guess this could be a one of in a DNT deck where you can tutor for it to theoretically make part of your team unblockable or to, you know, if you have a ton of resources to double up, like on a solitude, uh, I know solitude wouldn't trigger off this. You know, well, now that we're thinking about it more, I don't think this is actually going to well, see anything. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Phil. Let's say you play a recruiter of the guard and you get this, right? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you later on you play a Flicker Wisp. Obviously, this doesn't tw- trigger twice with the Flicker Wisp, but the Recruiter of the Guard flickering gra- grabs you two more cards. So if you're into that, like, and those are those are attrition decks. They're playing that long weird game that like it just continues to incrementally gain value over time. Now you've got two triggers off of your Recruiter of the Guard. So it, you know it, it, it is it lives in that realm. I don't think I, I don't have a home for this yet. And again, it's something I talked about. Uh, when when uh, I was talking with uh, with uh, Dula and with uh, Eric, a video that uh, uh, should be coming out before this about how it's nice sometimes to have people who play decks that aren't the same decks we're playing because I have no frame of reference for the for those deck styles unless mm-hmm. unless I talk to those people. So I think this is one where like I'll need I'll need the people who play with planes to to chime in. If this is a card you think might might see play, but I I don't think it's too out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I think a three mana two two that doesn't do anything on its own is just a, a really heavy ask, and so I would be surprised if this card showed up. Fair. All right. So next one we have is expedited insurance. Uh, sorry, inheritance. Uh, it feels like expedited insurance. Uh, this is two red for an enchantment that reads: Whenever a creature is dealt damage, its controller may exile that many cards from the top of their library. They may play those cards until the end of turn. Phil, I wish this card was blue or green. Uh, yeah, I think being double pipped in red and yeah. the fact that it does nothing when it ETBs. So no, you not only well, need a creature, it do but nothing. You can get value out of this. You just have to, you know, <laughs> you have to do other things. You have to, you have to have creatures and attack with them, or have them be blocked, or something like that. You know, I, I feel like, yeah. I mean, maybe if you play this, it's not like you, you have to you wait something on one. You know? Yeah, you play something on one, then you play this on two, and you attack, and then it effectively makes your creature not get blocked. And then, you know, okay, if they ping something off of their bowmaster, it's just like yeah. it's asking for a lot of condition. And I don't know if there's, I, I don't know if there's a, a a deck that can play something that depends on a condition that involves your opponent to some extent because if you think like okay if they block that's a punisher mechanic effectively right like your opponent gets to choose to block i mean granted like if you want to make your creatures unblockable but that's not worth a card you know what i'm saying so i think if if this season there's got to be there's got to be some sort of like um this this i think has to be like some sort of combo where essentially like you do something that deals damage and then you can exile some top cards and then those cards can somehow convert more damage and you can flip your deck yeah i for me i was like man if this was castable in fact it's a card i would play as like a one of you know like you just throw that in there and just be like block my guy i'll draw yeah, three I mean, cards you know you gotta remember too i think that the other downside is that i mean i granted i like that they are doing symmetrical designs but this is symmetrical it's not yeah. just you it's your opponents get to do it too i'm not blocking and, your guys right but like you know if, if <laughs> also, i also don't deal damage if we're, if we're just two ships, if, we, if we're playing, if somebody's playing this card and then we become two ships passing in the night, then you're down a card, right? Yeah, true, unless, true, unless, true. unless you do something that converts damage to then flip another card, but that means that you're spending some resource to deal damage. And is that I mean, damage affecting you negatively, in which case you're getting the flip yeah. side, You know what I mean? 
There's, I mean, I'm living, I'm living in a, a magical Christmas land where this card can be cast and infect, and then my opponent uh, is not. Be, none of his creatures are being dealt damage by my creatures. They're just getting negative one, negative counters. So it's it is actually not symmetrical in, in that deck. Um, Bro, but green, again, green, it, red, infect. Living in a world where I would never cast this in, in infect. Yeah, your future, green, red, infect, right there. Yeah, I mean, we we were playing uh, Renin Six in infect for for like a hot minute, just yeah, messing around out. with. Uh, with like getting back your uh, your ink moss, yeah, two two mana unbelievable mythic powerhouse at the time that's on the ban list was it's able good, to be played it's good everywhere just, you can put it just unilaterally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, want, I want to give a nod to Intrude the Mind, which is the three blue blue. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, fact, factor fiction variant. Uh, it, it's not going to see play a because it's too expensive, but b I can tell you I absolutely would have tested it had it been an actual factor fiction, not a steam augury. Your opponent oh, gets to choose no. the pile, not the other way around. <laughs> It's Have no actually, Sauron's ransom. My, my guess is that I'm I'm missing something because for them to put this at Mythic and it's just a steam augury that also happens to make uh, a Thopter. But like, if you well, your opponent gets to okay. let's read it real fast. So it's a three blue blue. It's an instant. It says reveal the top five cards of your library and separate them into two piles. An opponent chooses one of those piles, put that into your hand, and the other pile into your graveyard. Then create an o, uh, zero zero colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. Then put X. Then put a plus one, plus one counter on it for each card put into your graveyard this way. So let's say you flip this, you split it three, two. Your opponent gives you two cards. You make a three, three flyer. Now, to an extent... That's an average scenario, yeah. So so the argument is that you are always going to net whatever the pile is plus one card because you're going to get the flyer. Now, for the most part, flyers in any capacity are going to be relevant. But let's say you you flip this and your, your opponent is swinging in and you're trying to catch them with a blocker. They can give you the cards in yeah. a position where your blocker is never actually relevant. Maybe it soaks up some damage, but beyond that, it's never actually going to trade in a way that's profitable for you on board. Now, does that mean that you get some cards? Sure, but if you're getting cards in a pile, one, it may not be the tools that you like. You have to separate it, and then they have to give you the tool that matters, right? Yeah. On top of then the the extra complication of of uh, navigating the body, but the the decision is on them. Like they get to use the information that they have in their hand and on board to dictate which pile to give you. And then if they want to concede some amount of play on board, they can do that. But if you're doing this effect, I feel like you just would go for factor fiction in general to make it a little bit better, right? Yeah, Phil, Phil I just want to just just correct you on Steam Augury because I think Steam Augury is slightly different. Uh, you reveal the p pile and then an opponent, uh, you reveal separate into two pile, opponent chooses one of those piles. So yeah, this is exactly what Steam Augury says. Plus, right. like, one extra blue to do that. So the difference is that Factor Fiction, your opponent's making the piles? In Factor Fiction, Factor Fiction is opponent your opponent makes the piles yeah, yeah. you choose. Which that's, means the that power you... of, that's the power of that, that card and the power of Sauron's Ransom is that your opponent has a chance to screw up. Yeah. Because you, you're hiding information from them, right? Like you get the information, the most information, yeah. Like, the classic example was your opponent casts a spell that you need to counter. You cast Factor Fiction and reveal Force of Will plus four other cards. And they give you four cards because they want their spell to resolve. But you have the Force of Will in your hand anyhow. Take four cards. And now you've netted three cards off of off of that. You know, like, that's the, that's the like, best case scenario back in the day. And so that will never happen with this version unless your opponent really didn't want you to have, uh, you know, a 4-4. A 
Yeah, like there's argument to say, okay, well, it's it's priced at mythic. Like there's got to be some amount, there's some extent where the body is actually relevant. In their testing, they were like, this can't be a rare, even though every other version of this has been uncommon or rare since Foth. So yeah. like, if they're pushing this up to mythic, it's got to be significantly better in some capacity where it's blowing out limited. And I would have been interested to try it if it was clear that the power level was there. But at five mana, you're already asking like yeah. your game end finisher and legacy. Yeah. And then if it's not even guaranteed to be good enough, like it's going to be a situational finisher. Like you're just doing something else. I would tell you to splash black and just play Sauron's Ransom. Just play Sauron's Ransom, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think everything you said could be hinged on the caveat. Uh, it's probably mythic and standard. I, 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 for 100%, if this was just Foth plus make the body for five mana... I would have tested this as like my Mystic Sanctuary loop finisher. Yeah. And, you know, in, in yeah. my Haymaker slot, you know, that would have been super interesting. I would love that. It's a relevant CMC. Like, uh, just don't get too low on cards, Mr. Loop finisher. Yeah. It's just not there. Uh, uh yeah. yeah. How about undergrowth recon? Uh, another mythic, uh, that's one and two green enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep, return target land to your battle to, to the battlefield tapped from your graveyard. Yeah, so it's a an alternative crucible of worlds. Yeah, and the, but the difference beyond being double green as opposed to or one double green versus colorless mana, and it being an enchantment versus an artifact. Uh, the difference though is that this only happens in your upkeep, as opposed to any time you want during the turn. But sure. it does not take up your land drop. Yes, the that's the big that's the big difference here is it does not take up your land drop. The, now I would be surprised to see this outside of. Maybe a depth deck that's trying to rebuild if they're not interested yeah. in loaming, because ETB being tapped means that you can't necessarily strip lock. Yeah. Like Crucible of Worlds, you put the wasteland back in, you hit uh, their land every time. Where this would bring a wasteland back into play tapped, or a fetch land back into play tapped. But if you're rebuilding off of your dark depths, it doesn't matter if dark depths is in play untapped or tapped. Yeah, you can still copy it with your Thespian stage. So that's why this is like the type of card where I see like. If a deck like Depths needs to like somehow rebuild, it's more in that space. This also can bring back in your Urza Saga. It won't be able to tap for mana, but it'll still get the lore counter. So in who that needs, regard, who that needs also... the one mana? You're waiting for turns two and three on Urza Saga anyhow, right? Once this is on, once you're at the position where you've cast this and put it on the table, I can see that the value of just rebuying your Urza Saga every time is pretty good. Particularly then once you get the engine of multiple Urza Sagas, and then you know they start flipping back and forth every turn. Uh, and you get into that space that just becomes an unbeatable engine. So it's like you're priced into having to answer the sagas, but you can't, that, that's a losing game pad, gameplay if you aren't answering the recon. So I could see, you know, squeezing the opponent in that way too. This is the first card where I'm like, this card will show up in, this, yeah. you know, various numbers. It's, it, I, I don't think it's going to like overhaul anything. It's just going to be a very strong tool for the decks that you would obviously expect. To learn. I want to see this in Strastaddy's sideboard for uh, Maverick. The one that he plays, uh, uh, what's it called enlightened tutoring. Uh, also, if you wanted your, uh, you know, your your infect deck with uh, re rebuying your ink moth decks as you as you grind yeah. a little bit, that's yeah, not yeah, bad. Yeah, I, I mean that's always where my head's at. <laughs> it's like it's what am I? What lands am I getting back? Is it? It's either wasteland or it's ink moth nexus. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, the issue right now with ink moth nexus is not that people are killing them; it's that pithy needle exists. Um, so ne next we have, uh, we're going to skip a row. I didn't see anything in the next row. Everything costs four or more mana. Some stuff yep. costs 11 mana. Um, skip a row and go to 10th district hero. Uh, this is a three, two for, uh, one and a white. Three. It's a two, three. Yeah. Sorry. Two, three for one and a white, uh, human creature. 
Uh, and this is like, you know, what is it? What's that thing called? Uh, spirit guy. It's you know, uh... it's, it's a leveler, whatever that that guy is. Um, but basically, yeah. uh, so you can pay one to uh, a white and collect two evidence, and then it becomes a four four with vigilance. Uh, or you can pay three if it's already a four four detective with vigilance. Uh, and it becomes a legendary creature named Maliva the Stalwart. And it's a 5-5. Five five, and it says other creatures you control are indestructible. Uh, I don't see it. I mean, I, maybe I, mean, I just, again, like, this is the, the classic meme of d- does does D&T want this? Is your Yoshimaru deck, like, interested in... No, it's not <laughs> even legendary when it first starts out. It's just two mana intensive. Like, yeah. a two mana, two, three, like, okay, it dies to literally everything. You know, it's like... Those stats are just not within range of, of dodging any of the removal in the format. So, like, that's irrelevant. And effectively, that means that you're paying four mana. You're paying over the course of turns and installments. Are you paying, paying two four and two mana, white. though? Or are you viling this in and having two mana open? Okay, but, like, you're... Okay, so you vile this in on two, and then you have to collect evidence, too, which means that you have to have something in your graveyard. So if you went turn one planes vile... And then untap, play a second mana, and then pl- <laughs> yeah. put this into play. You can't actually level it up because you don't have anything in your graveyard. So you would need to like subsidize your deck with some amount of fetches, which I guess the black white version is doing. But like, what are you even cutting for this? What your four four with vigilance? What is that helping you against? It's on the ground. It's yeah, do no anything. idea. And then base power and toughness five five, and then other creatures you control have indestructible. Okay, snuff this thing out, kill your other shit, or source the plasters. This thing, get rid of it, and you spend all this mana and use all these resources. Dies to removal. It, but it dies to removal in a way that it doesn't actually generate any value for you. Yeah. And if anything, it's eating away at a resource that you could otherwise use in your graveyard. So I don't know, man. I just don't think this is it. Yeah. I mean, I again, this, like I said, this is, is under this falls under the meme of uh, does D&T want this? I don't know. I don't play D&T. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I just don't think so. A 2-3 a two, isn't recruitable. I just don't see it. Yeah. Eternal Dirtles is proud to be sponsored by Moxfield. Moxfield is the best Magic the Gathering deck-building website on the internet. You can create, share, and find decks from Commander to Legacy and even fan-supported formats like Premodern and Old School. You can see all of our decks on our Moxfield. Follow the links below to stay tuned. Speaking of recruitable, how about Doorkeeper Thrall, a uh, flying thrall creature... With flash for one and a white that is a one-two that reads artifacts and creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. This will show up in exactly the sideboard slot that you expected to show up show up in. I'll obviously give this one a shot. I think flash is a big deal because you get to play a little bit of a fish game. Yeah. Artifact and creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger, which means that stuff like uh, you know it can turn off uh, Kappa Cannoneer and stuff like that to make it so that it's not unblockable. That, that damn uh, coveted jewel deck. The cover to jewel deck, it won't turn like your patch. The, the patchworks are on ETB, not on cast, so that won't yeah. trigger at any point. Uh, this thing just turned oh, out, yeah. like, obviously being good against it, initiative is valuable. That's an interesting point. It doesn't just stop artifact abilities that enter the battlefield, but also uh, them entering the battlefield on top of that do- doesn't trigger, you know, for, if, for patchwork. Yeah, yeah, if they ETB to cause something to trigger, it just doesn't do it. So, yeah, uh, this point. thing also have, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of like you know, corner case scenarios that we're also not thinking of that this also would play a role in. But this is yeah. the first time we've had this effect at two mana on a flash threat. So even though it's a one-two, it's not a clock, but it's going to do something similar that, you know, the uh, containment priest space is going to do. And it'll show up inside, in and out of sideboards as Yeah, needed, and you can recruit and it's the guard be for it too. There you go. 
I want to go back up to reenact the crime, which is one blue, blue, blue instant. It says exile target non-land card in a graveyard that was put there from anywhere this turn. Copy it. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Oh, you get nasty. There's a couple of things, right? Okay, triple blue, maybe that's uh, a difficult thing. Four mana is obviously a difficult thing. But it's exile target non-land card in a graveyard that was put there from anywhere. That's not just your graveyard. You can target your opponent's stuff. And mm-hmm. all it cares about is non-land cards. So instant sorceries, anything. It's not just creatures or lands or whatever. But they're uh, anywhere this turn. This turn. So you can, this like, if, if, if you mill something, if your opponent surveils something, I mean, like... Four mana is a lot, but there's also the space that you could move this into being um, copies of uh, additional copies of whatever your combo piece is. I mean, I, I could see a world where somebody just has like, y- you know, uh, you-, you do something for zero mana and you mill it and then you get the, the value off of this thing. Like, I'm just going to say it, Phil, because everyone's going to ask, Phil, is this better than Cryptic Command? Wouldn't you rather just play Cryptic Command? No, because this can do something. The, the Cryptic Command is 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 flexible but this is going to do something over the top powerful so hopefully i, I yeah. mean it's an instant and you know if obviously the thing i imagine people will go to first is something like omni show where this being an instant speed thing it's like you can put uh you could you could conceivably like get a reanimator deck with this like they're like oh, i'll put a tracks into my graveyard and you're like cool i'll cast it next turn yeah, well, uh, you would I mean, have to cast it the turn that it went into the graveyard. I, yeah. I think the thing that's the thing that's barring this is that it's four mana. Like one blue, blue, blue. Okay, sure, whatever. But like four mana is just a lot of mana. It's but a lot to keep this, up. But the the fact that this card is it, it is keying you to do something that is objectively busted. What that actually looks like, I don't know, but I could see it in a world of like I don't know, man. Like high tide could do some crazy shenanigans, right? Like, and this is merchant scrollable. And it's like, if you're high tiding off and then, you know, you can copy literally anything that you've done uh, that turn because it doesn't care about going there immediately. It's any, any time during the turn. So you could be going off and then, you know, tutor for this and then copy something in your graveyard to like untap or, you know, find a flexible thing. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's, I think maybe there's something to be had. Then we have, oh, let me add that in there. So then we have Forensic Gadgeteer. Could you read that one, Phil? Yeah, Forensic Gadgeteer. Let me just find it real quick. Uh, Forensic Gadgeteer for two and a white. Whenever you cast an artifact spell, investigate. So a little psi type action. Activated abilities of artifacts you control cost one less to activate. This effect can't reduce the mana cost to less than one mana. So uh, whenever you cast an artifact, you get another artifact, and that artifact can tap for one mana to draw a card. So it's a two three. Obviously, two, three. where I'm seeing this at is you know the mana cost just kind of behooves itself to be like a card that you could you know you could slot into. Uh, uh, eight cast. Is yeah, it the best another, card to slot uh, in the eight uh, cast? I don't think so. Another blue card that does the stuff with artifacts. Like, yeah, who knew? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think, like, you know, Psy is just going to be better in this space. It doesn't die to bolt. And 1 1 flyers are usually better in the role that Psy is filling than, you know, the card advantage side. Like, Emery is usually. We do your be card drawing cards engine. anyhow, you know? You'd be, you be drawing a lot of cards. <laughs> like, maybe this is in the space where you play this as opposed to one of the eight cast effects because it, this works with baubles in a way that's more advantageous yeah. but it is another three mana spell so like it's tough and it's not an artifact itself uh but it is an artificer so maybe there's something to be had uh with that but uh i think also in a world where orcish bowmasters is so highly coveted as as a slot that this this does something kind of cool in the bobble zone but like then you're just drawing more cards and it's eventually just gonna die <laughs> or you're gonna die yourself you know you're putting yeah, yourself I mean, deeper into the hole 
I, I think there's also probably some space to be explored in reducing the mana costs uh, of artifacts to less than one mana. Uh, I mean, there was a time when Retrofitter Foundry was used in uh, the eight cast decks and, you know, literally cutting the mana in half for a tutorable thing like that. Uh, same thing with currency converter. You can loot for one that can then, you know, if you exile a land that generates mana on the artifact or, you know, just fast tutus. So I think the, the discount is probably where the sleeping, the, the powerful part of this card actually is. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, if it shows up, yeah, it'll show up, but it's not going to do, I, I don't think it's going to do anything unexpected because you can't reduce the mana cost of less than one. So you, what everyone thinks like, it's going to do. <laughs> like you could move it into, like if you pair it in like the uh, paradoxical, like Grim Monolith, Basalt, whatever deck, yeah. it's another card that goes infinite with those cards, right? Yeah, you make you infinite mana with those. So if you're in like the Trinisphere type three ball space, like maybe you can, you do this with the, that shit and go infinite. But beyond that's that, like, honestly, that bit, if, if anything, that's where I would see this. Living. But also like that, but that's not doing anything that we haven't seen before, right? It's yeah, just the new tool cards, to do the combo. You know? Yeah, like I, I, it's it's not necessarily innovative, but it would it could still be powerful. So yeah, you know, if it shows up, like I wouldn't be surprised. But if it doesn't, I also yeah wouldn't be surprised. All right, uh, the next card I have on the list is analyze the pollen. I, I uh, have a. Oh, if wait, you want to talk quickly sorry. on Archdruid's charm? Oh, Archdruid Charm. We, we definitely should, and I skipped over two other cards anyhow. So let's talk about Archdruid Charm. That's three green for an instant that says, Choose one. Search your library for a creature or land card. Reveal it. Put it into the battlefield tapped if it's a land. Otherwise, put it into your hand, then shuffle, and then there is put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. It deals damage equal to its power to target creature you don't control. And then there's also Exile, Artifact, or Enchantment. Phil, tell me about this card. So I've I've seen people saying that this probably isn't legacy power level. Triple green is actually really tough to produce. But I also wonder if there's if the slot that this would uh, really compete is against Knight of the Reliquary. So Knight of the Reliquary is good. Knight of the Reliquary. So I think Knight of the Reliquary. The slot. Like I think like if you're playing Knight of the Reliquary, you might look at this card as something to put in that slot instead because Knight of the Reliquary is good for the mid-range plan and it's good when you're playing against uh, Delver decks when they can't really remove it. But Mm -hmm. as we've seen, a lot of the Delver decks have moved really towards black where they're playing like Shieldred Zedek or they're playing Snuff Out. And it's, you know, Knight of the Reliquary is going to be soft there because it needs to untap. Now, if it untaps, you maybe get to do some crazy, some you know, additional shenanigans if you have, like, untap effects. But that means that you've built out a board. But if you are the, uh, you know, uh, Rec- Elvish Reclaimer uh, depth deck that is playing, you know, Yavamaya Yav- uh, that turns all of your sure. stuff yeah, into yeah, forest yeah. so you can Yav- maybe cast Maya, Cradle there. of Rebirth or whatever. But also, you, maybe you, you know, you fix your mana a little bit better so that you're not as dependent on white because you got rid of Knight. And then this lets you go instant speed to remove... Uh, to get either uh, any of your bullets, right? So, like, it's another green sun scene if, if you just need a bullet. So, like, you know, uh, turn one, getting your Dryad Arbor. Turn two, getting playing this and getting your, uh, what's it, like, your Collector Oof or whatever for the matchup that matters. But otherwise, you just get to instant speed this to put in your depths or your stage. And then you now have that on the untap. And then maybe you're able to protect it in that way. You can do a little bit more tricky trickiness with that. Also, like, being able to exile target artifact, you know, just incidentally have yeah, uh, a disenchant in your deck. And it's also exile, which is a big deal. Uh, that means that you can deal with, like, the one ring and stuff. But then also in ways where, like, if you were playing knight, you're getting a big threat. If you're playing, you know, your one mana 3-4 in your Elvish Reclaimer, and then this gets to put a plus one, plus one counter and then fight... Uh, 
an opposing thing. I think this is the card that's interesting for those kinds of decks because there's a lot of implications about what it could be doing uh, in the slot in the three drop slot, which I think is directly competing with Night of the Reliquary. I think the difference though is how much of those decks are playing with uh, Green Sun Zenith. Well, if they're playing with Green Sun Zenith, then it's like also maybe it's like instead of playing four night, maybe you're playing one or two night, and then some number sure. of this. Yeah, yeah. I could see a world where like that. It also depends on like how many uh, Legolas's quick reflexes are you playing in that space, you know? Because if you're yeah, you playing Knight of the Relic- dudes. like if you were playing Knight of the Reliquary as effectively another crop rotation, because you just want to be playing twelve crop rotations in your green white depth deck, this is just a a faster version of what the knight is doing, right? Sure. Like obviously, you're playing Re- Reclaimer. Obviously, you're playing Crop Rotation. Those are the cheap versions. But then if you're playing Green Sun to get your knight to then tutor for the land that you need, that's a step removed. This just cuts yeah. that in half. Now, granted, and, you need and to it's have... A, and it's a rampant growth, you know? Yeah. And now, and now, to be fair, you need to have triple green, which isn't necessarily the easiest to ask sure. if you're playing, you know... Uh, which which well, if you're playing you know stage and depths and uh sajiri step and you know some you know a bunch of other stuff but like if you're already playing one to two yavamayas like maybe this isn't as big of an ask now i'm not saying this could necessarily overhaul you know going zero nights all four on the yeah, yeah, yeah. on this but i i saw that a lot of people were high on this initially and then sort of were priced out they were like this is not legacy power level but i think if this is three mana instant speed untap kill you i think that's that's way more appealing than we think. It would just need to adjust the mana. Yeah, you're going to have but, to mess with your mana base some. But uh, also, this this condensing to sideboard slots, because it being an exile disenchant in your main deck that you have access to, is also really cool. So I, I could see that yeah. people are, are going, if we can condense our sideboard too to get more bullets, that this then can lend itself to. Because in addition to being additional crop rotation, this also is your instant speed bajuka bog if you need it. This is your instant speed... Uh, it, really, whatever you the same package that you have for crop rotation. Yeah, exactly. You theoretically have this package, too, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about assemble the players. I recall you talking about this when when it was first spoiled. Uh, assemble the yeah. players is an enchantment for one and a white. It says you may look at the top card of your library at any time. Once each turn, you may cast a creature card with power two or less from the top of your library. Yeah, I think that this is the uh, you know everything that if, if you were to look at. I don't know, like your old, the, the first place that my head went actually was I was trying to think of like good flash creatures. And so, of course, you go to Snapcaster Mage, but Snapcaster Mage plus a bit like is a creature. And then this is an enchantment. You're really asking uh, a lot of the slots for your instant and sorceries. But in a space that maybe I like this a little bit more is, you know, I've seen a world where people are trying to explore the uh, like Flame of Honor, you know, Spell oh, Stutter yeah. Sprite Fairy space. And so, you know, being able to play fairies off the top of this at instant speed is kind of hot. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think really where this is going to go is just like as another grindy card in your actual white creature decks. Uh, yeah. Or your, you know, your, 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 your black white creature decks. Maybe it's a sideboard card as like, you know, your one or two of there. Once per turn means that you're gated, so you're not going to be able to combo. But if you have two of these in play, each one of them will let you go off with one apiece. It's not, and hey, you, know, you can cast your doorkeeper throw on your opponent's turn. Cast your door, keep withdrawing your opponent's turn. I mean, also having the information, like, as somebody who plays with a lot of cards that let you look at the top card of your deck anytime, having that information is really valuable. Like, it yeah. really levels up the power of your fetch lands. It turns them effectively into scries. Uh, there's, a, you know, a bunch of cards that can care about the, the top of your library. I mean, this is the cheapest version of look at the top card of your deck anytime we've ever had, other than... Uh, Telepathy? Real- reality chip. 
And <laughs> oh, yeah, reality yeah. chip, reality chip was, you know, it was a one four, it was an O four creature that you had to pay three to equip to another creature before you could get the thing off the top. Where this is just like play this, and then if you happen to have a creature on top of your deck, you just get to have it. And if you're doing something proactive, which you know a lot of the white creature de- weenie deck creature decks do anyway, you know, you play this on two, and you know, I, I don't know, I I kind of like this in the space, you know. I think Aether Vial is kind of meh, and I would look at this. I get that it's a two-drop, not a one-drop. But, like, if you draw this late game, it's not going to be the slow dead card that Aether Vial is. Yeah. But I also have an aversion to Aether Vial because the one time that I've tried to play Aether Vial decks, I kept my opening seven and then drew Aether Vial uh, on my turn two. And <laughs> yeah, I... No good. It was it was in that moment that I knew I was like I'm never doing this again. But <laughs> if that Aether Vial had been in Assemble the Players, then you know now we're talking. Yeah. All right. Uh, next on the list is Analyze the Pollen. One green for a sorcery that reads as an additional cost to cast this spell. You may collect Evidence Eight. Search your library for a basic land card. If evidence was collected, instead search your library for a creature or land card. Reveal that. Put it into your hand. Then shuffle. As if the land cyclers weren't powerful enablers enough. So between, I, I just, I, I'm interested in this card because you know, occasionally you're going to be in a situation, specifically with with Infect, right? You've you've bottomed out, you've cast, uh, you've you've tried to get there. You be your opponent killed a bunch of your stuff, and you know, invigorate cost three mana. You might actually have the have the amount of mana to to collect that evidence. I don't think that this is a card I would like front line in that deck it just it, it, interesting like interesting to me because it, it's an effect for that mana cost that's that's kind of like mm, but uh just for putting a basic land into your hand i'm not not that I, interested i'd be pretty shocked if this ever shows up in a deck that doesn't have troll of casa doom and or generous end in it yeah well that's my problem is that collect evidence eight is a lot of evidence you know, even even with uh, like, because I'm playing Lorian Revealed, right? Like, so I could conceivably collect Evidence Eight with the Lorian Revealed in my yard, right? But I just it, eight is a lot. Eight is a lot. Now, I, you know, I mean, the the fastest that you're going to get here is you know, turn one, cycle your land cycler. Turn two, put something else into the yard, and then collect evidence. Uh, somehow for eight but also i don't necessarily think this has to be your turn one or turn two play it's a tutor so yeah. it can be it can get the bullet that you need when you need it later on in the game now you you at some point you do need to turbo some amount of that but i'm gonna i, I assume that some people are gonna go like <clears throat> excuse me some people are gonna go into the troll of casa doom street wraith space and then just turn this on as an additional tutor for whatever bullet you need like between street wraith and troll of casa doom where they're both in the death shadow deck like this being your death shadows five through eight is kind of hot yeah. in, that, in that capacity yeah. But now there is tension between that and reanimate. How much do you want to go into that? You know, I don't necessarily know. But reanimate uh, is good if you're, you know, playing in the blind against somebody. But if they're trying to mess up your graveyard, you being able to collect evidence rather than, you know, get blown out by a surgical or blown out by, you know, their bazooka. Yeah, also, like, this part of the casting cost, so they can't even, like, surgical in response, right? Like... It's it's as an additional cost, so yeah. they don't get to respond. You've already removed it by the time so that, it's on the that, stack. That is the actual foil to their their like surgical extraction on your troll of Kaza Doom because you're going to play a reanimate. They can target that uh, if you reanimate. They can't target it. It's already gone if you analyze the pollen. I think that this effect is very very powerful, and the uh, 
rather than needing delirium like you did for traverse the oven wall which means that you need a bunch of different card types this really only needs you to play the game with cards that you otherwise would want to play anyway yeah. and then the, the the cost is otherwise pretty minimal and the upside is that like yep you just get to hit your land drop on turn two like okay that's that's not a bad floor considering that we're already in the cycling uh land creatures yeah, we're to, doing, playing land cycle develop anyhow, anyway. right yeah yeah um profs eidetic memory eidetic 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 uh, one in the blue for a legendary enchantment uh when it enters the battlefield draw a card i know how you love that you have no maximum hand size at the beginning of combat on your turn if you've drawn more than one card this turn put x plus one plus one counters on target creature you control where x is the number of cards you've drawn this turn minus one so this only cares about uh at the beginning of combat it doesn't care when you've drawn the cards. So, yeah. you know, now the downside is it triggers at the beginning of combat, which means that you can't do like, you know, okay, now that you've blocked, do a bunch of shit. Yeah. You know, like that, that you can't do. But I, I mean, this is also like the, the cool, the cool space of um, you're playing ponder brainstorm, you're doing all this stuff. And, you know, it's another blue card and it draws a card. So like the plus it's plus one, plus one counters. It's not just, uh, pump spell for the turn so yeah. this like actually goes a little bit longer in ways that i think of any of the cards that you were looking at for infect yeah i, I would mean, i would cut a ponder for this i think you don't want to cut ponder i think you'd want <laughs> yeah, to cut for sure <laughs> any pump spell that isn't a kill yeah. i don't know if the deck is is in that space we don't, anymore, we don't have like, those anymore you would you would have to be looking at like uh cutting a legolas for this i i think that it is interesting though the idea that you could go like on turn uh on your turn two after you've played a noble hierarch you could go uh glistener elf play this draw another card pump your glistener elf and now it's you know now you've developed a board that's like pretty enticing yeah and every cantrip like now both your ponders and your brainstorms also uh signal pump spells yeah like they themselves are also pump spells and on the table. like if you know if, if you're in that space it also means that if you have like a four four uh guy and and a noble hierarch out you're in the range that almost any other pump spell in your deck is going to kill your opponent. Yeah, I mean, it is assuming that all of it is going to kill your opponent. Uh, I, I think it, it is kind of cool that, you know, uh, because it cantrips on ETB, you can play more than one and not feel bad about it because it you you can just cast it to cantrip and then it will get the same effect on the second time. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Infect seems like the most logical place for this, but... Yeah. I mean, I, can, I, I, I have Infect on the mind, obviously, lately. So I, I was looking at, th at this set through that lens. Yeah. Um, I, I think oh. that there's also, there's, there's also something to be said about, like, maybe being a little bit of a mirror breaker. Like, if you're playing, if, if you're in Murktide battles, you know, I mean, you just yeah. getting to pump your Murktides bigger is is not nothing. Uh, if you're in, like, the, the you know, turn one, uh, Bobble or Deathrite or Scalactide Stalker or whatever space, and then... Turn two, you do this, you cantrip, you pump your guy again, and then every bobble, every brainstorm, every ponder is all pumping your team. Like uh, that seems pretty sweet because, like, also for the for you know clarity, the bobble trick is that you bobble so that you draw during your upkeep. It is more than one card that you've drawn, so by combat yeah. you get to do the thing. So, I, I mean, it's low enough. It's blue. It cantrips. Like, there's a lot of things. And to it like. draw. It, yeah, it replaces itself. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the one that feels unassuming. But so far, of all the cards we've talked about, other than the 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 recon, the the crucible worlds. This one seems the, the closest, to be honest. Yeah. All right. Uh, Vengeful Tracker. Uh, this is a two-two 
uh, for one in a red, human detective, whenever an opponent sacrifices an artifact, Vengeful Tracker deals two damage to them. Uh, hold on, I'm looking for it. It's uh, uncommon. It's under knife. It's under knife. I under remember the... reading this. Yeah, Vengeful Tracker went into red. Yeah, so uh, whenever they sacrifice an artifact, uh, are you ever playing? I guess you could play this as opposed to your meltdowns, but maybe not because. Yeah, why would punishing. you, right? You know, it's interesting <laughs> for cards like this that punish the baubles. It's like the baubles are already on the board by the time this hits play, you know? I mean, yeah. you're 2-2 two, two for 2 that's like, you know, incidentally shocking them, but like they kind of get to control when that happens unless you make them sacrifice it. Like, I, I think, again, it's like whenever your opponent sacrifices, if there was a combo deck that like needed to go off and it closed it, but otherwise... Yeah, and it's not green, down. so you can't just like fish it out with uh, with green suns. I think that's the that's this thing's biggest deterring factor. Yeah. You know, like, I think, it's not I, I think you're just right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't see it with this one. Yeah. I, I do want to go back up to Steam Core, Steam Core Scholar, though. Steam uh, Core Scholar. All right. Yeah, let's talk it, about Steam Core Scholar. It's it's two and a blue for a Flying Vigilant 2-2. Two, two. And when it enters the battlefield, you draw two cards. Then you discard two cards unless you discard an instant or sorcery or a creature with flying. So there's a lot of caveats to be able to just go up a card plus get a 2-2 two, two Vigilant Flyer. Three mana, probably too much. Is it interesting though like i mean it's an etb effect like it is pretty close to a mold drifter that also has vigilance and it's like, a weird detective and it's a weird detective so <laughs> i mean it's it's not doing anything that you wouldn't think it's doing but it, it's got a lot of boosty stats that uh you know just being able to filter a bunch of cards off the top of your deck and then into your graveyard or go up resources uh i, I think there's a lot to like about this card you i know, think it might be priced out but I kind of like it. This is a this is a good spot to stop and talk about the the set's uh, identity as a set, uh, because you know I think I, I think I hit you and Nate up about like I was like, "Yo, Scooby Doo se- Secret Lair when?" And then you just point out there are a bunch of Scooby Doo like type cards in the set, and mm-hmm. there's all these like you know nods to like there's a Columbo card. Is there an Angela Lansbury card in this in this uh, set? I have no idea. Yeah, I, I guess we have to find out if there's a Murder, She Wrote card in this in this set. Um, you know, maybe a Dragnet card. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I dig that. That You know, there, there's some try there. But I did say I did say to you and Nate, like, who is this for? Oh, it's <laughs> for me. It's for me. You're this into is... this? You're into this? The, the, you're the, an, the, you're this, an Agatha Christie stan? Dude, the, the, the weird <laughs> detective here that I get to flip some cards. I mean, yes, I absolutely want to cast this and then put my... Terminus or my oh, no, no, I'm saying the, the set itself, itself, not just that one card. Oh, oh, oh. Like, yeah, who, I is mean, this, who is this set for? Dude, it's for all of us. It's for all of us clue stands. I'm a big, I, I mean, I'm a big, I love Columbo. I'm a, I, I like Columbo a lot. I, I will watch Murder, She Wrote if I just feel like I need to put something on. You know, I'm a big Kolchak fan. No mm-hmm. Kolchak in here, I feel like. Uh, but, uh... Yeah, I just uh, you know a small commentary on on uh, <laughs> who who are the mystery like magic is is this is fantasy mystery which is fine but magic is by and large a fantasy adventure kind of kind of game that is the that is the like background of the game so fantasy uh, detective story comes off as like also it could have just been in New Capenna but apparently crime is like a you were saying like. There's so much crime in New Capenna, and it's so normalized that you couldn't have an effective police force, so no one would care that someone got murdered. Uh, just yeah, the wildest so, take. So, 
New, new, yeah, Mark Rosewater said that uh, New Capenna was not the option because there isn't actually a law enforcement. Uh, there's no, there isn't law enforcement on New Capenna. Just wild. The way that there is. Like, it just feels like the kind of thing where you have a noir story. You're like, I was, you know, it was a rainy night and then she walked in. She was all leg. You know, something, you know, like that kind of, you know, like weird, yeah, very you know, noir. pretty noir yeah. detective story. Uh, and that's just like, yeah, no, not there. I'll say I will say that I for what it's worth for this set, I do much prefer the sets that are, you know, here is a problem that is contained on the yeah. world. Yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to as as opposed to like the last several stories that we've had have been existential threats to the multiverse. So yeah, the Phyrexians are evading, it's the end of the multiverse. Nicol Bolas is destroying everything, it's the end of the multiverse. The Eldrazi are consuming everything, it's the end of the multiverse. And the problem with those things is that like the game has to continue. Yeah, so you when know the that stakes, it can't be the, the stakes end. are this high. <laughs> it can't be the end of yeah. the multiverse if you know that the game has to continue. It's, so it's funny, it's be, funny you mention that because when the stakes are that high, the only option is for the good guys to win. Right? Which means that there's no drama whatsoever there's none. because there's you none. know the outcome. Because you like, would think and, you would think it'd be the other way. The drama is intense, but it's like no, we. It's like it's like every time Superman fights somebody, you're like, yeah, Superman's gonna win. Like we know. And there's that. also like there, there's like I guess like the the pandemic sort of shifted their idea of being like, okay, what if we somehow made it so that any character could traverse the multi the uh, the multiverse as opposed to just planeswalkers? So they swapped. They desparked everybody in for, with the the Frexian invasion, and then opened the Omen Path so that any character could go anywhere. But like, if you actually wanted to mass despark everybody, it would have made sense to let Bolas win because Bolas's whole thing was he wanted to steal everybody's sparks. So if somehow he stole everybody's sparks, and then he was somehow still contained because it was too much power, and you know he wasn't able to like move or whatever because it was too too many sparks all at once, was just like you know gravity weighing them down or something. Infinite I don't know, cosmic power, like, itty bitty living space. But it's like, if you were going to despark everyone, you had a, a story to do that, but you yeah. just didn't know that you, you wanted to do that until after the it. pandemic. So like, <laughs> you know, but, but it's like the, the timing of it just makes it tough. Like I, I'm much more happy to have like, okay, the thing we care about is one guild leader got murdered. And that is a whole set. Now that we <laughs> care about that, the whole, that's the, the whole one guild leader. I appreciate it. You know, like, I, like I said, I'm not like, personally invested in in the story per se but i i do appreciate uh uh you know that that like it's a it, it's a grokkable story instead of like you know everything counts like you know yeah this, I, this I, nice I think one-off I... like stories can happen in magic the gathering without them being centered around a planeswalker you know like that's that i think right. that's what we've learned here and this one being, you know, centered around for for anybody who doesn't know, I'm going to give you a little bit of spoilers. So what we know so far is that Tristani was the character that uh, ended up murdering Zagana, the prime speaker of the Simic Combine, and it was the middle, the middle head of Tristani that used mind control pollen on Atrada, the uh, Demir vampire, to murder prime speaker Zagana because it was found out that Zagana was using. Uh, was experimenting with Phyrexian oil after the invasion. And that's, you know, messing with nature. And that's exactly what the Selesnia doesn't want. No, so, no, no. You know, Tristani <laughs> was like, I'm going to take everything into my own hands. But that's not where the story ends. There's more because <laughs> Kellen has to go do something. And then we're going to find out that it has something to do with, you know, uh, the he's wild west. Become black eventually, right? Like. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to he's got to touch every color so far. He's touched every color except black. Yeah. Uh, but I, I and he doesn't have necessarily a color identity. But once we get to the villain set, there's, you know, it's going to expand. We know that in the art that Rakdos goes to 
uh, that plane to like mess with those villains. And it's probably, it, it, it's supposedly because whoever the villain that we were supposed to care about in that Wild West set had framed Rakdos as the murderer that ended up being Tristani. So we'll, we'll see. There's a lot, I, there's a lot more to come. Who cares about I'm excited it? For, the, you know, for but, the Disney Wild West Magic the Gathering set. Yo, you know my boy Jason. You you know you know my boy Jace the Mind Sculptor in a you know fire designed uh, upgrade where he doesn't just die to everything is going to get put in that set. And I'm Yo, very excited. I'm calling it right now, Phil. I'm calling it right now. Fievel goes west. Nod in in Thunder Junction. Oh, dude, there's going to be so many cards that just give us the 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 nod of approval. Yeah, you know after you know yeah oh yeah. Uh, all right, uh, on to call a surprise witness. Uh, return target card. It's going to be great when people are looking at this and they're like, wow, they spent a lot of time talking about Vengeful Tracker and Steam Core, or, uh, Steam Core Stalker, but they were just BSing about the set. Uh, I mean, if, yeah. you would, if, you'd, if you'd like to skip over Call of Surprise Witness, Helping Hand was spoiled <laughs> last set for half the mana. This won't see play. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. There we go. Uh, now, another card that won't see play, but we definitely should talk about for a second, is Living Conundrum, which is a four and a blue. It's a five mana, two five with hex booth that says if you draw a card where your library has no cards in it, you skip that draw. And then as long as there are no cards in your library, it has base power and toughness, 10-10 with flying and vigilance. My dude, uh, speak to me as the guy who wants to draw his deck to win a game. This is it. Uh, but you would just play, you know, you do like... instead, you just play... Oracle. I okay, feel like Doomsday on. should play this as like a one of as like a contingency plan for if somebody can, like figures out a way to stop them. They're yeah, just like, yeah, all yeah. right, well, I'll just put this into play. Yeah, your five minute <laughs> contingency plan. Absolutely, let's go with with hex proof. With hex proof, wow. <laughs> um, all right. So I've got pick your poison. That's way down here, right? Pick your poison. Yeah, pick pick your poison is a green sorcery that says choose one. Uh. Uh, each opponent sacrifices an artifact, each opponent sacrifices an enchantment, or each opponent sacrifices a creature with flying. That's a lot of text. It does a lot of things. It is obviously going to show up in some amount of space for that sideboard slot, maybe a mainboard slot if you're metagaming and think you're onto something, because every deck is playing one of those things, whether you're the Urza Saga, Ancient uh, Tomb, uh, Chalice of the Void deck, or you are a Beanstalk, mid-range Sultai, or Control deck. Or you are a creature with flying, which means that you're Delver, DRC, or Merktide region. There is a lot to like about this card hitting a wide swath of the format. Now, is it going to do it reliably? Maybe, maybe not. But for one mana, not too bad. This card will yeah. see play. Uh, and that does it for the monocolored cards for this set. We're going to go all the way down to the multicolored cards. And I'll start off with... Bro, you're just going to skip over Deduce? Deduce. Oh, Deduce. Draw the card, investigate for two it's mana. It's one in a blue instant. It's an upgraded think twice, and you best believe I'm going to test it. It's not going to do anything good, and then we're going to move on. Okay, going upgraded. to the, going. <laughs> I guess going yeah, it to just the, costs one less to draw another card. It sure uh, does. And ends rag the quake mole. No, we're not talking about this card. Why no, come on. Why not? Because this card is fuck this card, dude. You want to know the problem? Okay, so it's it's two red green. It's a legendary creature, mole god, whatever. It's an eight four, and it says when it uh, becomes blocked, untap each creature you control at the, after this combat. There is an additional combat phase, and then for three, two red, two green, so seven mana total. Uh, it must be blocked each combat if able. You want to know why this card sucks? Because the actual thing that it does is not what it says it does. It's just another one of these cards where they're like, let's template a thing that 
It tells you it does something. And then in practice, it will never functionally actually ever do that. What this actually reads is this card is unblockable unless it is attacking for lethal. If it yes. is attacking for lethal, you must block it. And then it is still attacking for lethal. So all this is, is unblockable. That's it. That's all it says. Sure. It says unblockable. I, I'm, I'm fine with that. A four mana eight four is nothing to sneeze at. Also, it's a, it's uh, a four mana eight four unblockable. You have two mana eight eight untap flyers in this format. Each Get out creature of here. you control. It's not just that one, you know? Yeah, untap each creature. You're not blocking this unless it's attacking for lethal. At no point are you ever... Because if you block and let this thing die, it doesn't matter that you block because it just gets to untap and do it again. Yeah. So there's actually no benefit to ever blocking it. It's just another questing beast that doesn't that, that doesn't actually give anybody a choice. You do the one thing, you do the one thing, the card plays itself, and that's it. It sucks. This card sucks. Fuck these kinds of cards. <laughs> Let's talk about uh I, I actually didn't include this on the list, but I do want I do want your opinion on Alquist Proft, Master Sleuth for a three three four one, a blue and a white, uh human detective, vigilance when it comes to play, investigate, and then you can pay the cost for Sphinx's revelation, sacrifice a clue, and Sphinx's revelation. Yeah, I think as long as up the beanstalk is in the game uh, or in the format, you're just never going to do something like this. I mean, you best believe I'm going to try and experiment it with deduce in my deck. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the fact that in order to like, okay, it's a three three for three that doesn't actually uh, mean anything because it dies to everything. Okay, so it's it, a three three for three with vigilance, whatever it dies to everything, fine. But it, et being replacing itself for an additional two mana, okay, it's mana intensive. So if you're going up against the Dave's Wasteland deck, if you're not in a heavily basic uh, uh, outfitted deck, like not really going to get to capitalize on that, and then. If you are using the Sphinx's Rev ability on this, then the only time that it's actually profitable <laughs> is if you have five mana. You're the only guy who would do this. <laughs> five mana is the only time where you're drawing the second card, yeah. where you could just pay two and draw the first card. Yeah. And on top of that, and if you're paying five mana for the other for the three mana it, that you spent, it, if you're paying five mana to draw a card, we're already in the space of like, okay, well, we have Lorien Revealed filling that space, so this thing isn't going to show up except exactly in the deck where I try it fail and then we let it go yeah all right but i do uh, love it i do love it let, let's talk about it because because a lot of a lot of blood a lot of uh a lot of digital ink was spilled in this card between between you and i and and i just want to talk about leyline of the guild pact yeah i'll let you talk about uh leyline of the guild pact and why it's awesome but i'm going to talk about how the sad part of leyline of the guild pact was when i saw it i was like hell yeah zero mana screw your blood moon screw your magic yeah. of the moon and then that's i was the, educated that's what I talk about I was educated that the layers work, that whatever hits second wins. Yeah. So if you play this on zero and then they play a blood moon, your stuff is still mountains. Yeah. So get, that's get why that's, that is the, that that's the reason why we have this podcast is so that people learn things like that and they don't go out and spend like, I don't know, whatever is this $4, $16 on a place out of these thinking that they're going to get the blood moon guy. And then that, that happens at a tournament. Like, I just wasted like 10 bucks on these dumb cards. So uh, to tell you what this, uh, card does is it is uh hybrid mana for hybrid mana that is a Selesnia, a Simic, a Golgari, and a Grohl. Uh, for an enchantment, it is a ley line. If it's in your opening hand, you can play it at the beginning of the game. Uh, you can start at, start it on the battlefield at the beginning of the game. Uh, each non land permanent you control is all colors. Wonderful. Lands you control are every basic land type in addition to the other types. Now, if if it worked the way we thought it worked, this would have been. So good again. Like I lose to Blood Moon. Auto lose to Blood Moon. Just yeah. and Magus of the Moon. Like right. this would have answered so many of my problems. It's a real yeah. bummer that this doesn't like this doesn't work right. 
because right. it's exactly what I wanted to stop those decks. Well, and it pitches to everything. It pitches to everything, which is great. You know, like if you actually if you accidentally have an extra one in your hand, but you've already got one on the board, great. Castable by someone playing. Uh, in fact, if you really had to cast it, uh, you know, before your opponent blood mooned you, you could conceivably cast it. And here's the kicker. Uh, it Embiggen is now plus 10 plus 10 on your Inkmon Nexus, which is maybe the only reason to play it now. I um, did really like the idea of you going, okay, play this on zero, turn one, Ink Moth Nexus, tap it for green, play Noble Hark, untap, uh, animate, and big and kill you. That well, is it's, actually it's a really turn, hot it's, line. T- it's play this on, yeah, yeah, you play this, and then you play the Ink Moth Nexus, tap it for the high work on turn one, yep. right? And then untap right. and kill. Yeah. Yeah, and then you play your second land, <laughs> animate the Ink Moth, and big and kill you. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that, now, that, that's a hot combo, Living but it's all dream. four of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all four of, so, you know, we're, you know it's, not, it's not totally out of, the, out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, would be would be a blast. And, and, and that just adds another turn two kill to your deck that has turn two kills already, you know? So, uh, it, you know, it could, it could make it, it's different turn two kill cards, for sure, but it makes the turn two kill possibility slightly more consistent. It's basically like having two two-card Montes in your deck, right? And it's it's also to to point out too. It's not like it's totally uncastable after the fact. Like if you don't open this on your opening hand uh, and you still want to be able to play it later on, like for I mean, granted, like if it's infect, it's only going to see play in the in the combo sense. But like you can tap four green and cast this. Yeah, card, you know, or if you're in fact, you know, if you're if you're some combination of of green and some other color, you know, that's what this is. It's it's missing. Uh, it's basically every green combination, right? Yeah, so as long as you have three green plus another color or two green plus two colors, like, you can cast this. So, like, it's not like, oh, we're playing Leyline in our mono red deck or whatever. Yeah. So if it's bounced or whatever, which is never touching the table again. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, Breakout. I got to find Breakout because I forget what it is. Breakout is red and a ah, green for a sorcery. And uh, it says, look at the top six cards of your library. Uh, I'm going to actually make sure that I'm reading. Look at the top six cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them. If it has a mana value of two or less, you may put it onto the battlefield and it gains haste until end of turn. If you didn't reveal it and put uh, the, if you didn't reveal it and put it onto the battlefield, you put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So it's akin to another, you know, it's like a very small collected company. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting two, you're only getting one, but I saw people, there was a lot of talk about this space in, you know, because it gives your creature haste. There's a lot to, you know, people were talking about it in like the cradle control space. Um, I even saw people that were like, oh man, here's another way to like dreadnought somebody. Oh. Uh, Because like you ETB and like, yes, you still have to deal with the trigger, but like you can stifle and it has haste. So you can like, you can get somebody. So like, I mean, people are going off the deep end trying to figure out where to put this card. So this is another card that I think people are going to experiment with a lot because it's it's not a full tutor, but it's close. I mean, six cards is pretty deep. Yeah, six if cards you're playing, is deep. If, if you're playing a four of a card that you want to see put into play, like if you if your opening hand didn't have it and then had this, and you're playing this on turn two after your draw step, like you are statistically guaranteed to hit it. You know, like your percentages of your of your four of being in your top fourteen cards is really good. Phil, so. does does this? So how does this work with time Goyf? Tarmogoyf is whatever it is at all times, okay. right? Like okay. it, it's effective so, whatever it is. So, like, so it doesn't work with Tarmogoyf as far as well, as far it, as what it, we it, would want. It theoretically could, but you putting in your you know two three Tarmogoyf with haste that this is going to bounce back to your hand is probably not, <laughs> not what you want. Not re- it's not getting me. It's not getting me excited. Yeah. Um. All right. So next we have no more lies. 
This is a instant for one. a white and a blue. Counter target spell unless it's controller plate pays three. That spells counter this way. Exile instead of putting in the graveyard. What do you think? It's not it's not like Mana Leak was all Mana Leak needed was to be a dissipate yeah. in order for it to be playable. So <laughs> yeah, you know sadly. it's not it's not it's not it's not seeing any play. Yeah. Um Surveillance. Let's talk about Surveillance, Phil, because I know that you are excited about Surveillance. I'm really excited about Surveillance. I think that there's something to be said. Like one of the are cards they called that, Surveillance. Like, is that what we're going with? Surveillance. I, what else are you going to call them? Yeah, Surveillance. I, I one of the cards that I've like longed forever for them to print is I've always been like, okay, now that they're attacking on the basic land types to make them co- uh, compatible with fetch lands, like they're they're really powering that up for EDH purposes. I have really wanted them to essentially print. Palomar Depths with the island subtype, right? Yeah. I really want to just be able to go, okay, turn one, fetch, go, fetch, end of turn, ETB, t- Halamar Depths tapped, rearrange the top card of my library. Like, I've, like because I'm a counterbalanced gamer, so yeah, having yeah. a fetch land to and be able to close. just, like, you know, this is close. to get, like, because if, if I had a Halamar Depths that I could fetch, that's effectively a, a one-turn top activation, right? And that's really hot. I've wanted that for a really long time. And this is pretty much, like, as close to that type of thing as we've ever gotten. Now, I also think that it being for decks that don't necessarily want to be in more than two color, but you do want more than your four of duel that you are allotted. And, and you don't play Shocklands. The best thing we've had access to before is Shocklands. Now, maybe that's only like in the Delver space when they're two colors because they can't afford a tap land. But if you've ever played a Triome in that space and you don't necessarily need the additional color, you're not necessarily in Leyland Binding, like there's, it opens up a world for those types of things. Like I have wanted to play on multiple occasions, Tundra's five, six. I've wanted to play eight Tundra's at one point. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to give this a shot. I think coming into play tapped is probably going to be too steep, but I'm, I'm still interested in trying it. I think that, like, having one of these in your deck and then turning every fetch into Surveil is pretty powerful. So yeah. I, 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 I wouldn't sleep on these. I think if if Triomes are good enough to see play, granted they're leveling up your Leyline Bindings, but if Triomes are good enough to see play, I think these are definitely good enough to Pick see play. Pick up your and, blue playset. Pick up your playset. Yeah. All right. So uh, the last card, I have two more cards on here. Uh, these go into the commander uh, set. So we've got uh, Ransom Note. Ransom Note is a one mana artifact clue. When it comes into play, surveil, and then sacrifice it to choose one. Uh, cloak the top card of your library, goad target creature, or draw a card. So cloaking is it means it's essentially manifest. You put the top card of your li- of your deck face down. It's a morph with ward two. Uh, it, yeah. with ward two. So it's just a power crept version of that. Uh, so this is effectively you can tutor it off of your Urza Saga, and then you can pay two mana for a two ma- a two two ward two that theoretically could then be you know disguised uncovered for or it could just if, stay if you a two two. You know, just or like currency converter, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, the other part of this is like it also if it, because it is a clue, you can also just effectively cycle it, and that's fine. Uh, I mean, I, I think this is just in the space of it's a one mana artifact, so therefore it's a target yeah, for Urza Saga, and therefore we have to it, talk right? about it. But I think that's about it. I, also, I don't think that this uh, is. Uh, I feel like we've you know. seen the text. I, I don't know anything about what mystery they're trying to solve here. It probably just says Tristani did it. Uh, but do they not use like standard English text, like Greek alphabet? <laughs> uh i actually have no idea but people What's are talking about here? how this this is the same like they've been using the same uh letters on like all of the cards that have letters in them across the set and so there's probably some kind of thing to like decipher amongst it yeah uh there, there was like another artifact it was like um 
it was like the locket or something where you like, you know, you, it's a two mana ramp, but like it costs a lot of evidence and, you know, it was really pricey or whatever, but it also had those letters. And so people were trying to yeah. figure like that Star out. like Star Wars but... where, where all the numbers are just like a, ba- a bad looking clock. Yeah, yeah. But I... I I don't think this one's going to show up. I think there's just better versions of cards that are doing something like this. I think, like, maybe if you're in a, a more aggressive deck and you care about, like, you know, removing a blocker because it can goad, like, that's fine. I mean, Ransom Note, I mean, I guess your Urza Saga, you could tutor up and then use this to cloak off the top of your deck. But if you're doing that, I would imagine you're just getting Currency Converter anyway because that can generate a stream of tutus. Yeah. Granted, they're not Ward, but, like, does that matter as much? Like, I would imagine you'd prefer more bodies than you would prefer. So, like... I don't think this is good enough because I think there's just like upgrades there's to better, the yeah, things that better doing. Options, right. But I mean, yeah, I, I, think, I, I think I would play currency converter before I played this just based on the ability to reuse currency converter over and over again. Yeah. The uh, only other thing I can think of is like, if this cares, if this matters, it's because the clue part of it matters. Like yeah. clues matter. So, yeah. but that's it. Cause like, I, yeah, I would just rather play candy trail than this. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, the final card I have here is on the trail. Uh, this is from the commander set as well. It is a two mana, that's two, that's one and a green, enchantment. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, you may put a land into play from your hand. Tapped. It's not good enough. Not good enough. Phil says it's not good enough. Uh, I, I'm just interested in, like, is this, maybe, maybe do we want to play this in, in Beans? Like, you just don't as, need it. As like a you don't one-off? need it. Like, you know, like just like, beans is- I drew another land, it's in play. Beanstalk is already drawing your deck. If you wanted this effect, you're just playing an Uro. No, but you're drawing your deck, but you, you're also like ungating how mo- how many cards you can cast based on the amount of mana that you have, right? All of your cards cost one and two mana. That's fair. That's fair. I, I think like this is the, the like this not only would need to cantrip, so it's just functionally better explore. Yeah. But it doesn't, and Beanstalk exists, and Beanstalk is going to obsolete a lot of enchantments that don't draw a card and then have an insanely powerful effect on top. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, that's everything that I saw. Uh, I didn't see. Yep. I didn't see too much. Like, yeah, you know, that's like twenty cards. I didn't see a ton of cards in this set, um, but certainly more than the last set. I didn't see any in the last set uh, that, that I could really put together. Has anything even been played from the last set, Phil? Like, did have you seen anything on the board from the last set from Ypsilon? Not, not that comes to mind off the top of my head. Yeah, no. I know people. The thing is, like, I, I know people are still experimenting with stuff. sure. You know, it's like, I mean, to be fair, Exelon came out last month. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it does feel, it feels well to say that, but you're, there's, you're there, there's still so, There's still some time to, to play with the, play with those cards and, before we get these new ones. So. And for what it's worth, it's like, you know, we had that build up to Eternal Weekend um, and Eternal Weekend happened. And I feel like everyone, everyone has that like post Eternal Weekend hangover. Also because like, it's like Christmas time, you mm. know, is happening and you're just like, okay, like, let me just back off for a minute. Yeah, that's why we haven't had as many episodes as we normally have. It's like we backed up just a little bit to to chill, you know, take the break for the new year kind of thing and, and get get back into it. So I think a lot of people are, are in that same mode where they're like, you know, I don't need to play like constantly play magic and experiment with this new set because I just need a, a break for a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I think I think, you know, maybe maybe there will be some cards from from Ixalan that, that see play, but I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, Ixalan is still being explored with. I do think that there are some cards here to experiment with. I don't see anything that's going to be like obviously game breaking. Yeah, yeah. There's there's nothing like One Ring or or or, or Orcus Bowmasters where it's like okay, clearly this is obviously yeah. objectively broken. Or even like I mean, like, we, we we looked at uh, what the heck uh, the the Beanstalk set. What was that called? Oh yeah, uh, 
Eldraine, Eldraine Eldraine had some had yeah. some bangers too. Yeah, we yeah, we, and, we looked yeah. at that set and we were like immediately like a plenty of cards jumped out and I've lost to some of those cards, you know. Uh, so and, and I don't get to play as often as Phil does. So the fact that I've lost to some of those cards proves that they're they're good, right? Um, yeah, I, I know that the, the younger formats for sure. Everybody is talking about how Mono Green Devotion and like Pioneer is going to be busted because of the little delay line yeah. and, you know, stuff like that. But in terms of legacy, nothing jumps out like really crazy. But I know that there's a bunch of powerful cards that people are excited by. Breakout is one of them. Uh, some of the blue cards are pretty exciting. I think there's maybe some sleepers that we're not necessarily thinking about beyond like the obvious that, you know, could spark some new stuff. I think I the eidetic, uh Memory or whatever is a card that like, you will be the most gravitated yeah. towards. Like, I think that's actually going to do a lot, like in practice, that will do more than we think for those kinds of decks that want to be able to uh, establish bigger boards. Uh, so, and I'm going to try a bunch of like, you know, the the blue stuff trying to make miracles happen. So, cool. Uh, I mean, to, to that end, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, for anybody else, if you have cards that you think we missed, obviously write those down in the, in the doobly doo below. Tell us what they are. Because I, I need to I need to look at some more cards, um, and then also I wanted to quick update everybody. Uh, I got a, so I'm going to be at Chicago uh, MTG MT, MC Chicago. Uh, Phil may or may not be there. I am very unlikely at this. Very point. unlikely. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, they okayed me. Or okayed me. They approved me for a panel with Mark Rosewater titled 30 Years of Magic Comment and Commentary." So if you're at Chicago. Uh, six o'clock, I think. Oh, we'll update times and stuff on uh, Saturday night. Uh, come to wherever that room is, and uh, it'll be me and Mark Rosewater talking about yeah. uh, Scry Magazine, Inquest, The Duelist, The it's Dojo. Gonna it's gonna be really sweet. You know, it's gonna be it's like it's we'll, gonna be awesome. yeah, we'll post that up when we when we get it. And but this is a really cool opportunity for us as as content creators. So uh, I'm pretty yeah. excited about that. I think it'll be a lot of fun too. It'll be really great. Of those at the Magic Cons, those sort of like history panels, like the history of the yeah. game panels are always so like, I, I imagine that most of the people that listen to the podcast are very yeah. similar to us and like care about those things. Like they're just so much fun. And like getting, when we went to getting, when, getting to be on stage and, and talk to Mark yeah. Rosewater about like, about my That's experience tough. with, with Duelist specifically, right? His, mm -hmm. hey, hey, Mark, when, when uh, Inquest put out that like purple, the color purple is now magic. Tell me what was going on, you know, like what was yeah, happening over yeah. at, at Watsi? Were you guys like, oh, come on with this, you know, like, you know, getting those getting those like slice of life stories from the people who were there uh, asked yeah. by someone who also lived it is uh, to me is like the most fun, you know, anyone who's a student of the game or like appreciates the history of like the, of, of that, which like I very much am. So I'm like very bummed out that I'm likely not going to be able to make it and miss that part. But I'm, I'm hoping that. Uh, that your panel that you're doing with Rosewater will get filmed so that we'll at least get to watch well, it on the back I will, end. And I will be same, filming it myself. We will be filming it, and, so, and, yeah. and then we'll have it for everybody to watch who can't make it. But it's going to be it's going to be sweet either way. It's a cool level up for the pod. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you, if you are in Chicago, definitely check out Zach doing that. Yep. Uh, and with that said, uh, thank you for everybody. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. If you have a chance, uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, give a dollar or whatever that that would help us out so much uh we're leveling up the podcast we're looking to get some new equipment and stuff like that we've got a couple sponsors looking at us but uh we really like to just use uh you know use the community uh so that we don't have commercials constantly you know we love moxfield uh and we'll always hawk moxfield 
but uh, you know, we're looking we're we're looking at other ways to 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 level up our uh, our podcast, and sometimes that means that we're going to have to add advertisers and stuff, and we'd rather not do that. We'd rather just have you know the people watching the cast uh, contribute to the community. So, uh, with that said, thank you to everyone who already does that. If you uh, can can afford to, we'd appreciate it. Uh, and have a great weekend, everybody. For the gift that keeps on giving all year round, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash eternaldirtles. And hey, check out this playlist we got up here with all of our interviews over the last couple of years. Some great people from the Legacy community, some really great guests.